welcome to Exposing Your High School Reading List. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking and improving the high school English curriculum. Becca is still gone as the time of recording this because she is experiencing my chemical romance in person and we are all so happy for her. So today we will be talking about Frankenstein, which Becca also didn't read. Weird. Okay, so our little icebreaker for today is what is your favorite celestial object? Very broad. Well, my name is Greta. My favorite celestial object is a constellation. Some of you might have heard of it. It's called Orion's Belt. (laughs) Greta, I swear to God. (laughs) And now, are you going to do the joke? I'm going to do the joke. Okay. (laughs) So tell me, guys, specifically Lauren, because Elise has heard this before Mm -hmm. so many times. Have you heard of Orion's belt? Yeah, it holds up his pants. I think it's a waste of space. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, I know, it's a bad joke. It's only three stars. It. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I hit you again. I gotcha. That's, the, that's, that's why it works every time because they think it's over. I know, they think it's done. And it's not. It's and not it's done. never done. It's not done. <laughs> and you know, you, you do the Orion's Belt joke and then I just immediately think of Men in Black and I just like yeah. can't, like I'm in that headspace. Yeah. I'm like, that's fine. That's, that's just how I just don't be. know if that's where you want me to be after We're, the joke. No, it's okay because, because Lauren's going to tell us about her favorite celestial sure. object and you'll move on. Yeah, mine is not nearly as interesting as yours. Uh, <laughs> My favorite constellation is Little Dipper because I can always find it. I can never find the Big Dipper. I can always find the Little Dipper. Well, sometimes it's not there. I can never yeah. find either. I always forget what shape it is. <laughs> I do. And that, that's the one that's in its name. I know. I just, it's so terrible. You look up, you're like, God, what does a ladle look like? I just don't know. Okay. Interesting. I don't have a favorite constellation. I think um, as far as celestial objects go, they're all really cool. I am terrified of space, though. Like if someone came up to me and they were like, Elise, would you like to go to space? I'd be like, never. Mm-hmm. But like also if someone were like, Elise, do you want to go to the bottom of the ocean? I'd also say never. Makes sense. So I'm good on land. I'm good here. I love like meteor showers. And yeah. my dad and I notoriously like cannot have any success actually seeing them, even if it's like 100 an hour, like really like we're supposed to be able to see them. We can just so we have this like running joke where we can just never get to see a meteor shower. So I guess it's like that. Yeah, that counts, right? We make the rules here. Yeah, I, I say it counts. counts. There we go. OK, now on to Frankenstein, which. So as we were talking about Frankenstein and. There are some iffy topics in there when it comes to trigger warnings. Please go to booktriggerwarnings.com just to make sure that any of the content in Frankenstein will not be triggering to you. While we would love to have you on the pod, it is not worth your mental health. Yeah, absolutely not. Okay, so, you know, if you're still with us, you've come back. Um, It's important for me... As a, as a disclaimer, this was my favorite book that I read in high school. Mm. Um, that being said, I do think that all of my opinions are incredibly valid anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, you know, as we, as we look at a lot of these books, and especially all of the old books, right? Okay, Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. <laughs> Mary Shelley. 1818. Written it like the coolest backstory of a book written. Like, yeah, you're ever. so right. Freaking I mean, just hanging out with situation. Keats. Like, I... Yeah. I Keats is my favorite poet. That should be said. 
shout out to Keats. Interesting <laughs> choice. We don't need to talk about it. Greta. Okay, that'll be that'll be our poetry, our poetry podcast in in uh, a few days. You'll you'll hear that one. This is me plugging poetry. You should listen. It'll be great. It'll be me and Greta. It'll be awesome. Um, but just such an interesting backstory. And she was so young when she wrote it. I believe she was like nineteen yeah. when she wrote it. Mm-hmm. And being a writer myself, I just that's obviously very impressive to do that. Let's talk about, you know, when we read it in high school and what the general experiences were. Greta? Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest thing for me with Frankenstein was I was just excited to be reading a book that was written by a female author. Oh, you know? so valid. When did you read it? <laughs> um, I read it, let's see, it was probably junior year of high school. Okay, me too. Yeah. I can't remember what class it was for, though. Because mine was in British literature. Probably that. That probably yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and Lauren? I did not read Frankenstein until college, um, but I did read a reimagining of it in high school, which was The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein by Kirsten White. I love her. She is amazing. I got to meet her, and she's fabulous. Yeah, that sounds great. I should, I'm going to put that on my TBR. But your perspective is super valuable because, you know, your first experience was, was later than mm-hmm. ours. It was it was freshman year, right? We, re- yes. we read it in the same class. So I read it in junior year of high school and then again in freshman year of college. Now, also, when we read it, when Lauren and I read this book in the same class, it was the first class that we took in the pandemic. Yes. Which may change the way that we kind of understood it and the things that we took out of it. But I don't necessarily think that that's, you know, a bad thing. It just might have yeah. given us a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Lauren, this is also going to be interesting to hear from you because I know for Elise, like like I was saying about my experience, like I th- and I think it's similar for you. We didn't read a lot of books by female authors in high school and you have a completely different view on that, right? You read a lot of women. So my reading of women, we had a lot in my AP Lit class because it was that let's try and diversify it. So we read a lot of like Toni Morrison. Classic. um, Which very good books. Uh, And then I think we read a couple of other female authors, but none that I remember, which is so awful. But uh, a big proponent of why I read so many books by women in high school was that I was a member and then co-president of Library Club. Ooh. And we would Celebrity. Do, oh, yeah. <laughs> so every year we would do, like, the Lincoln Award books where you would read them all and try and be like, yes, these books are awesome. So I, I read a lot of extracurricular female authors. Awesome. So sorry, I'm, like, ready to have a breakdown here because I think that I've just realized that that was the only book that I read in high school written by a woman. Yeah. Oh, my I, gosh. That, was that... I thought that we had clarified that before the podcast. I just, I, I just thought that it was like not not that many, but I no, as I'm like yeah. going through, it's really none. There there might have been one freshman year of high school, but I don't remember the name of the book, and I don't remember like I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than like like I read Emily Dickinson, you know, but that's mm-hmm. poetry. It's different. I don't think I read a novel by a woman in high school other than Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Wow. This sucks, guys. <laughs> yeah. I would just, and, you know, I'm going to do a whole episode on Pride and Prejudice in the near future. Look forward to that. That will be exciting. But, you know, one of our amazing commenters and listeners was talking about, obviously, we don't read a lot of women. Yeah. 
why, you know, Austin used to be kind of a standard for a book that you read in high school. And that has really been phased out largely. Not that many people read Pride and Prejudice, which was the one that we put on the list. And there were a couple of people who said that they had read uh, Sense and Sensibility or Emma. Or Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights, oh, yeah. which has its other things. Yeah, I'm- Just because it's written by a woman doesn't mean that it's good. We should say that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read Wuthering Heights, and I am deeply grateful for that. Um, and I know that we do have some listeners who enjoy that book. I'm Maybe, sorry. Like, like read it again. <laughs> How and, was like, it presented to you? Think yeah, we want to like, know. Let us yeah. know in the comments. Because the way it was presented to me did not match the book. Anyway. Anyway, 25% of our survey takers read Frankenstein. And there was one comment in particular that said, I always wished I was assigned more female authors like the Brontes or Wolf or Plath. And that's really interesting too, right? Because uh, Greta and I both took a Virginia Woolf class. We read so many books in such a short amount of time. (laughs) They were great. I don't know that I would have loved to read them in high school. I think I would have liked to read A Room of One's Own in high school. That would have been very cool. I don't know that that would have happened because I think one of my hypotheses about phasing out Austin in particular is that they're afraid that it will just make boys not want to read it. Oh, I think... I don't know. I think in part that's the case. And I think in part it's that with with Austin specifically, it's that her stuff has become so popular for like movie adaptations that they just like assume that people are going to consume the the content in some capacity outside of high school. Sure, sure. And we're not going to get into. I I feel like it's necessary for me to say at this moment. Okay. And I will not, (laughs) it will not be long. And I will talk about it in depth in the podcast episode about Pride and Prejudice. But if you were a student who was assigned Pride and Prejudice in high school and then didn't want to read it, so you instead watched the 2005 movie, um, you, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Obviously, Keira Knightley is very talented, but that is not a good adaptation of Pride and Prejudice for a lot of ways. And I realize this is a hot take for a lot of you. A lot of you might be offended. I will gladly write several thousand pages. I'm surprised you haven't already. I Listen, I've been holding myself back <laughs> because I, I would do it and I would overlook other things in order to do it. Okay. But... Yeah, keeping that concise. I appreciate I yes, appreciate the comment. that was a very good job. Greta has seen me get really heated, yeah. <laughs> rant about it, which, you know, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. And that's the Pride and Prejudice episode. But, yes. but back to Mary Shelley's role in all of this. You know, like, why do we think that Mary Shelley is the only woman that is taught in so many of these curricula? I think part of it is the book is shorter. Uh, which makes it a lot easier. I think another problem that we generally face is women aren't as well known or taken as seriously. I had never seen Pride and Prejudice until last year because my roommate introduced it to me. I hadn't read Cavendish, Margaret Cavendish, until last year as part of a class. I've still never read Virginia Woolf. A lot of these very, very good authors I didn't hear about until taking classes on literature. Like Ursula Le Guin had never heard of uh-huh. her. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but, okay, here's another another idea that I'd like to throw out there. Okay. Where are the women in Frankenstein? Right? Yeah. Oh. Right? It's, it's a framed narrative. 
right? There's one one woman, right? Every narrative <laughs> is... Thank you, Elizabeth. Yes. <laughs> Every narrative is, you know, from the perspective of a man. We've got, yeah, Elizabeth, um, who becomes Elizabeth Frankenstein, and she dies. Yep. Pretty Hopefully. soon, she's she's like just metaphor. She's like entirely made out of symbols and like nothing else. Right. Having read Elizabeth Frankenstein first, I always forget that she wasn't like an actual character in the book. Right. She is a concept. And, you know, this could be a function of, of many things from Mary Shelley's perspective, right? It could be internalized misogyny. Mm. Okay. You know, I like to think that a lot of the poets and people that I really enjoyed from that time were not terrible people, but but let's be honest, they probably are. Don't meet your heroes. But also, you know, was it, oh, this book will be more marketable, this book will sell better, it will maybe even just get published if it's about men. Right. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a really a really conscious choice on her part. You know, she was writing this, like, if I'm not mistaken, it, this book started off as, like, a contest kind of between, like, her and her writer friends, right? Right, yeah, they were they were at this sort of, like, party, and yeah. it was a stormy night, and it was, it was sort of like a bet kind mm-hmm. of, kind of deal. They were, you know, who can write and pitch the, the creepiest mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and, and she, she won that contest, right? But the, the people that she was with, they're, they're presumably also men? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think if there were another woman, it would have been someone's wife or something right yeah. so i mean maybe she was writing to her audience <laughs> you know yeah because because right keats byron byron yeah. <laughs> percy shelley who at that time wasn't she was still wollstonecraft mary wollstonecraft okay and then she married percy shelley right but yeah there were it was predominantly men most of them were not novelists right question because i don't know in 1818, would a lot of women have had the time to sit down and read a novel? Or was she also writing to men at large in the publication of this book in the end? I think yes. Especially upper-class women. Upper-class yes. okay. women, <laughs> yes. I don't know that this would have been a topic that a lot of those, not necessarily that they wouldn't have been interested in it, but that perhaps they wouldn't have been allowed to read it. yeah. I don't know. I think it's hard for us to speculate on that. It is hard. As much as I know about that, you know, the the turn of the century of, you know, there, I, it's, it's mostly speculation, but people, yeah, women could have, could have read it. Absolutely. Um, But obviously there was a lot of, of actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But let's, let's get a little bit into like the actual novel itself, right? Mm -hmm. Because, because it's a good book. Yes, it's it's incredible. And every time I read it, I come away with something completely different and something that just rocks my like worldview. Just it it blows my mind, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's often cited as like the the origin of science fiction. And I don't I don't know if if like it necessarily is like the actual origin, but it, it definitely has a right to be. Among the first, right? Right, it definitely popularized it. Yeah, um, and just like the speculative nature of the monster and how she gets into 
his psyche mm-hmm. is is what really makes this book great. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously as people living in the 21st century, we consume this book in a very different way because I think pretty much everybody who's going to read the book has seen one of the Frankenstein movies, yeah, right, which obviously are not about the book. I don't think I've seen a single Frankenstein That's movie. That's crazy. I'm not a big movie watcher. Okay, that would be... I do feel like even if you haven't seen the movies, you know, you you have such... It's very much a part of pop culture. Right. It's like a Halloween costume. Right. You get like the green man with the bolts in his head and you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, that's, right. that's just the popularization from the movie because that had such a big splash. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in cartoons. Right. It's a, there's, there's a lot. So there's a Phineas and Ferb episode with there it. There sure is. How often can we bring up Phineas and Ferb in Every episode. It's so relevant. <laughs> um, Listen, the writers of that show were geniuses. Dan Pavenmeyer is on TikTok, and I love it. It's amazing. Right, so if if we come in and we assume that everybody's got some background, they're like, oh, the monster, and then we've all heard, like, that one person when we were, like, way too young was like, actually, Frankenstein is not the monster. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, you know, that was relevant and an important thing to note. Right, except that Frankenstein is the monster when you think about it. Correct, <laughs> absolutely. If we're getting meta about it. If we're getting meta about it, Dr. Victor Frankenstein is the monster of the story. Right. It's not the monster's fault he doesn't have a name. Ugh. Among other things, a name is so tied to identity, right? And we know that. So I didn't expect to to have that much of the narrative be about um, the monster's story and learning language yeah. from nothing and wanting innately to care about people and take care of people mm-hmm. and use his you know uh, abilities he wasn't getting cold when the people in the house were going to be cold going outside so gathering the firewood or, or whatever he did mm-hmm. it was just I was really touched by that and he the monster ended up hating himself right. he hated himself and he hated humanity but he didn't do that until he was taught to hate himself mm-hmm. and he wasn't cruel until he was until someone was cruel to him and it was heartbreaking you know because I think when we get into the narrative and we're like oh shoot this is real different and we're, we're we start making this kind of emotional connection with the monster and we just want him to be okay yeah. I remember thinking that I was like I just want him to like have love and and like feel okay just like anyone to care about him and and not you know, torches and pitchforks and everything. And it was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. And that's the, like, that's the thing when you go into Frankenstein, you know, you expect like, oh, this is going to be like a cool sci-fi thing. And you don't expect it to actually break your heart. Like when uh, the monster goes and asks Frankenstein to make him a wife, you know, so that he can like have someone to be normal with. A companion. Yeah. He can have a companion and he He just doesn't want to be alone. Like, ugh, it's just tragic. And, you know, I mean, we talked a bit in in the Steinbeck episode about, yeah. you know, like how Steinbeck is, uh, his novels are supposed to be like an exploration of humanity. Like, forget Steinbeck for many reasons, obviously, but Frankenstein is so much more clearly about that. <laughs> Gonna say it right off the bat, guys, this is not one I would delete from the from the high school curriculum oh absolutely not yeah there's just there's so much to learn so much to dive into of course we love 
things written by by a female author. But even if this were written by a man, not that I think it could have been written by a man, if we're being honest, I would still keep it because such beautiful writing and talks so much about like what it means to be human Mm -hmm. and and to feel and And to to feel yeah and you know the also just like brings up so many interesting ethical questions that I think it's good for high schoolers to contemplate I think her exploration of human emotion in general is has completely shaped me as a writer and I I just do not think that this is one that we should take off the list that's for sure add more women don't take them off add more diverse women yeah agreed i mean that that said right like we're all we're all pretty firmly in the camp of keeping mary shelley yes (laughs) um so so in terms of adding more female writers to the curriculum i think there's so much to say there in preparation for this podcast, we had a long conversation like, okay, who should we add? What stories should be added? How can we make this intersectional? You know, and there's there's just so many stories that need to be told and so many options. And one great resource that we ran into is uh, a book called Weaving in the Women, Transforming the High School English Curriculum. And that's by Liz Whaley and Liz Dodge. And it offers a list of uh, suggestions for student reading so like books that can be taught in school to high school students and you know that includes like really big names you know like Sylvia Plath and Virginia Woolf of course but also lesser known ones like Gwendolyn Brooks it just covers such a wide variety of voices and stories that need to be told in ways that haven't been by the men that are dominating uh, our English curriculum right now In addition to the suggestions for students, it also has a list of suggested reading for teachers, and those are wonderful as well. So I highly recommend this as a resource for any teachers that are listening, but also if you're uh, just interested in diversifying your reading list now after high school, it's a great book to pick up for suggestions. And if you're interested, we can put some of the suggestions in the comments of our videos. So just let us know about that as well. Are there any last minute thoughts before we wrap up, guys? Mary Shelley is excellent and Kirsten White does a really good job of reimagining it with a female-centric view in Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein. And it's one of my favorite books. Beautiful. I honestly think we could do like a a mini series of of episodes about this book. It's it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and just the effects that it's had. Just on, the effect on it's writing. Had. <laughs> oh my gosh. And just, you know, on on me, like as a yeah. as a person, I just think it it changed me. Yeah. Um the way that great books can. And also the way that bad books can, I guess. <laughs> but that's, you know, not relevant to this conversation. Good. Yes. Well, while we have an unlimited supply of of comments about Mary Shelley, we don't have an unlimited amount of time. So, Let us know what you thought about your education surrounding Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. And also let us know what books you have read by female authors, particularly ones that engage in intersectional discussions um, and intersectional stories uh, that you would recommend for the high school reading list. We want to hear from you so badly. (laughs) Yeah, we love we love using your quotes on the show. It's 
great to identify with people. It's great to read something. And I'm like, how could you possibly have that opinion? But okay, maybe reread the book, <laughs> Wuthering Heights. Uh, <laughs> but we, we just want to hear from you. And you can do that by not only using our survey and filling that out, and that is linked on our social media, but just social media in general. We are on Twitter and Instagram at EYRL Podcast. That's at EYRL Podcast. Reply to a tweet, tweet at us, do a comment on Instagram. There's a lot of options there. And we also have our website now, EYRLpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can also email us if you don't want to do any of those things podcast eyrl at gmail.com so that one is flipped thank you so much for listening to this episode of exposing your high school reading list on mary shelley's frankenstein we hope that you have gotten a lot out of this conversation about female writers and their influence on the literary tradition we will see you next time